Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio, simply glorious. In spreading the gospel to the world, we have designed a streaming radio broadcast for every believer. This word, worship, and witness field broadcast streams live every week. Access episodes on demand 24 hours a day. Subscribe to our iTunes podcast and take UGR wherever you go. Visit us online at urbanglorycampaigns.webs.com. Also find us at twitter.com backslash urban underscore glory and like us on Facebook. Enjoy today's broadcast. Urban Glory Radio, simply glorious. In spreading the gospel to the world, we have designed a streaming radio broadcast for every believer. This word, worship, and witness field broadcast streams live every week. Access episodes on demand 24 hours a day. Subscribe to our iTunes podcast and take UDR wherever you go. Visit us online at urbanglorycampaigns.webs.com. Also find us at twitter.com backslash urban underscore glory and like us on Facebook. Enjoy today's broadcast. This is Bobby Thomas, leading executive of the Urban Glory Commissioners League. We are the financial support of the work of this great ministry and organization. I've been a supporter of this ministry in time, talent, and treasure, and I ask you to consider doing the same. Whatever the amount, give from your heart and know that the leadership of Urban Glory Campaign appreciate your gifts and the Lord himself will bless you beyond measure. Visit www.paypal.me forward slash Urban Glory Campaigns and give today. Thank you for listening. This is Selena Olivia, one of the leaders here at Urban Glory Campaigns, coming to you again to say thank you for listening and to connect with us. Connect with us online. We are on just about every social media platform. Find us on Facebook by searching Urban Glory Campaigns, on Twitter at Urban underscore Glory, and on Instagram, our music association, UGMA, Urban Glory Music Association, as well as Facebook for the Music Association. Epic Night is coming, February 2017, a night of celebration, glory, and excellence, catered with delicious food, glorious music, entertainment provided by Urban Glory's own Music and Arts Association, and inspirational words in recognition of our founder, Reverend LaVon Breland, and various members of the support team of Urban Glory Campaigns. For more information, call 202 630 for UGC, that's 202-630-4842, or visit www.urbanglorycampaigns.web.com. Urban Glory Radio, simply glory.
Urban Glo- well, praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. <clears throat> I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was said. I was glad when they said, "Let's be the church," and truly, we are the church, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Today, I'm going to begin a new series. I'm going to pick up part two on Thursday, and then on Sunday, next Sunday, I'm going to conclude this series, and then we're going to get into another series. Amen. And so we have a lot of teaching this month that we're going to release, but I want you to be a part of it. <clears throat> Today, I may, be, um, I may take my time for emphasis, but I definitely want to, um, I definitely want to cover some good ground and review some concepts so that way when we get into part two, we're going to take it and take it to a whole nother level of teaching. Now, this is not a foundational teaching. Let me repeat that. <clears throat> this is not a foundational teaching. Um, one thing that we will tell you to do is to make certain that you get the study, especially for this particular series that I'm presenting today, on um, two things, the dispensation of grace and and the lesson that we taught last week is a one-parter, which is comprehending the progressiveness of the kingdom of God, okay? And then, of course, high learning concerning holiness will also help you as well. So the dispensation of grace, you need to look up that, those teachings and make certain that you know um, the, the main things about that as well, um, in addition to this teaching. But this is not, again, I say this is not a foundational teaching. So although I may do some foundational things as we get um, deeper into the content, <clears throat> you will find that I will leave the the elementary teachings at some point. Amen? Not today, but in the coming days. And I'm just letting you know that in the, in the coming of this series and then the series to come on Sunday mornings in the Word, we're going to go a little deeper than we have been in times past. And um, that's my whole purpose of, of, of letting you 
understand that. Amen. 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 So let's take out some notes and and um, some notebook paper and get right into the Word of God. You know, a lot of this is in me, so um, so some things I may quote, you may just have to take it down. Amen. Because this is more in me than it is in. Uh, I do have a concise in, in, in outline, so don't worry, I'm prepared. But um, um, there are some things that I may say that you just have to catch. As a matter of fact, you may have to send me your notes, all right? But praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. I thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence, that makes um, makes known or um, that, that makes me confident to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in every, that everything that shall be accomplished and everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now, again, I would like to welcome you to this broadcast. I'm LaVon Breeland, your host. And we are embarking upon a new set of studies, and in particularly in light of time, we are in the the heat and the coming toward the close of the election season for um, year 2016. So this has to be dated so that way those who are listening to it in the future understand that, that we have presidential candidates that are running um, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton for the election. Now, I will be highlighting, and let me preface this, I will be highlighting um, some various political topics and issues throughout all of the, the, the teaching season this particular month of study. But I am in no way endorsing any candidate for office. However, as, we, as you hear me teach, you may you may be inclined to believe that I'm persuaded one way or the other, and that's your opinion. But at the end of the day, I am going to present the Word of God, um, and I am going to deal with topics that are extremely controversial. So please note that I am not endorsing a candidate, nor would I ever suggest what you should do when it comes to your decision. Um, but because of the time, I had to announce that this is a time teaching, a specific teaching that is geared. This is one of the series, one out of three of the series that are geared to um, provoking us to take a look at this time period, year 2016, and the state of the United States of America and, and how we deal with that. So this is prophetically driven to speak to this time. Amen. So I, I wanted to preface that as well. So I did have to make that um, statement out there because I know um, that um, we need to, as the body of Christ, um, deal with some matters on some deeper levels. And that's the motivation behind what our topic today's teaching, the theology of theocracy the theology of 
theocracy, the theology of theocracy. The body of Christ is at a pivotal time in, in history where we truly need to embark upon our identity. And the church is at a place where the identity uh, of its virtues are being placed to the test to see if we're going to stand up and represent exactly what we believe and why we believe what we believe. But when we stand up, we must stand stand with ourselves, our loins, the scripture says, girded with truth. And the older I get, the, the more I understand this, that there's a place of truth and there's a place of transparency that you stand in. When you stand in that place, God has a has greater access to you to begin to speak to you things uh, that He would not um, He would not entrust with someone who is not set on attaining and achieving His will. And so we're talking about the theology of theocracy. And today I'm going to focus on the theology, the theological dynamic. Okay, the theological dynamic. And you would have heard me throughout the year, if you've ever heard my teaching, always begin when I definitely deal with with um, teaching the word, you'll hear me say the theology of such and such, the theology of such and such. And the reason why is because I want to provoke everyone to understand that the Bible reveals the mind of God, the intent of God the emotions in which he emits when he expresses his nature to humanity, the Bible houses that. And if you don't believe that the Bible is the inherent word of God that translates the intents of God, then me and you are already at a disadvantage. But I also understand, too, that the scriptures must be properly interpreted because if they can be rightly divided, and we're going to deal with that scripture today, it can also be wrongly divided. And for that reason alone, we in the body of Christ must take a serious approach to how we cover and engage the mind of God. All right, now here's our affirmation today. We as God's church are equipped with so much insight and foreknowledge that we have absolute confidence in our future. Nothing can alter God's plans that he has before ordained and prepared. So we are fully aligned, and we fully aligned ourselves with his heart so that our reality conforms to his way. Did you hear that affirmation? Very powerful statement. We are God's church that are fully equipped with so much insight and foreknowledge that he foreordained that we develop absolute confidence in our future, and nothing can alter the plans he has prepared and foreordained so that we can fully align ourselves with his heart so that our reality conforms to his way. We are the body of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it is the Holy Spirit which he sent to transform us by the truth so that we can be transfigured into his nature, 
into his knowledge and and into and into everything that he is for to live is Christ. To live is Christ. The Bible says, I no longer live, but the, the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It is Christ in me who is the hope of glory. And so our foundational scriptures are found in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 to 11. That's our Old Testament passage. And our New Testament passage is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 14 through 24. Let's begin in Isaiah. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 55. I love Isaiah. The, 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 the uh, prophetic utterances of Isaiah is, is set for two, two reasons. One, it's set to imprint on our hearts God's judgments, God's verdict declared in time for humanity. But it, it, it emphasizes and it uses as an example the time period where the children of Israel were in captivity. The children of Israel were the people of covenant, the people of God that were assigned by God to, to uphold the standards of God. But because they rejected from God, they were overtaken by sin and the, and the system of sin. Systemic, they, they were forced into systemic warfare. It was a consequence to rebelling against God. They lost strength, and they were overcome by other kingdoms. As a result, they were scattered abroad the earth, and, and not only that, they were in captivity. They were enslaved. They were enslaved by, by their choices to uphold sin over righteousness. And so the book of Isaiah is a prophetic call back to righteousness. It not only... It not only gives hope for the forsaken, but it finds it finds a, a passage route of reconciliation, recovery, restoration of a nation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Some 400 years it would be manifested, but what was declared amongst them was the word of the Lord. So uh, was the word of the Lord, which was to come to pass. So at this particular time, when he was declaring he was a prophet that was foaming and gnashing at teeth, one that they would really, um, really uh, admit that he was a man of God. He was not calmly. He was very unique. In fact, the, in fact, the, there are depictions of him being seen as a madman. And people will observe his riddle rhetoric, his rhetoric of a coming of a Messiah. And they verily believed him, but they mocked him, and they wrote so much so that he has 66 books, which parallels the same um, number of books that would be preserved in history as the word of God. So Isaiah really depicts, if you ever want to go through the intent of the Bible, you can parallel every book of the Bible in the 66 books of prophecy or the 66 utterances of prophecy expressed through the prophet Isaiah. And so in this particular uh, time when he's speaking of of the invitation from the Messiah, he, he tells them, in, in, uh, everyone that thirst have come to the waters. He that have no money, come ye and buy and eat. Come ye and buy wine, milk, without money and without price. 
see that this almost you know he was a, he was an interested person. Come get it, come get it because God has something for you. He says this in verse three. He says, "Incline your ear and come unto me, and here your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David." And David, of course, is a typology of Christ. What do I mean by typology? He was set in place to identify the right way, the right way to establish the kingdom of God, the right way to establish what God had in mind, the theology of theocracy. Incline your ear and come unto me and hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. It goes on to say, Skip down to 14. It goes on to say, oh, oh, I'm, I'm right. Skip down to verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and let the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as much as the, for as the rain cometh down, um, and the snow from heaven, and raineth, uh, uh, returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it bring forth a bud and even that give a seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goeth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I send it. Let's keep reading. For ye also shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth. Before you singing, and you shall, and the, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of, uh, Amen. So that's that's a, that's a good way place to stop. But I just want you to know that God has a plan, Amen. And it's an everlasting covenant, and there should be an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The Scripture declares. Now let's go over to Hebrews chapter ten. Clearly. Clearly, there's an indication to the people of God that were forsaken, that were in captivity, that were estranged from the covenant of promise, that God would make and restore the covenant after David, who was a typology of Christ, meaning that he was in position, just like Jesus was, just like Moses was, just like Abraham was. David was in position because of righteousness. He was chosen and anointed by God, and God preserved and protected his kingdom. He had some issues, but God covered him. Just like God covered David, he's going to cover you. His love for David, uh, uh, David was called a man after his own heart. And we know that David did some things that wasn't right, but God had his heart. And if he and if he know he has your heart, he got you. Amen. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter ten and hear another thing. So that's the Old Testament passage. 
We know that the that God's ways are different. They are higher. And, and of course, a lot of times when people read that, they believe that they cannot grasp the mind of God. Well, Hebrews chapter 10 tells you different. Hebrews chapter 10 says, For the law having the shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never... Uh, can never with those sacrifices which are offered year by year make you comers unto perfect. So here we hear a perfection message or a maturing message. What you, what, what you did in religion didn't work. That's how he begins this passage. But in verse 14, skip down, he says, For by one offering hath he been Jesus, glory to God, and, of course, you can go back to verse 10 that verifies by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 14 says, For by that one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Who, wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he hath said this before, I love this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where there is no where the where remission of these things these is, there is no more offering for sin. And then, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The theology of theocracy. Now, theology is God logic. You've heard me say that. It is our pursuit of knowing God more intimately that we can serve him more faithfully. When we talk about theology, we're looking at how God came with, up with the ideas for for us to be affected by his nature. What is his nature? How are we coming into the knowledge of his nature? How is it expressed to us over time? How do we know? How do we have a blessed assurance? How do we get to attain salvation? How do we come into the knowledge of the truth? We have an encounter with the word, and the encounter with the word or the encounter with God establishes our enlightenment of the mind it esteems our character to his nature. It engages, uh, it, it engages aggressively in the study of the scriptures. Why? Because we house within us the spirit of the living God to know the things which God has given us. This is, this is the covenant that I will make. I will write my laws on their hearts and their minds. We are God's church equipped with so much insight and foreknowledge that we have absolute confidence in our in our future. Hallelujah. So 
when it comes to theocracy, theocracy is a form of government where God is able to govern freely. We don't see that in the earth. We have seen close, uh, the closest to it are examples like Afghanistan, uh, which is a Muslim nation who believe they're following Allah, not, that, not our God. And then you have the Catholic Church, the Church of Rome, that believe they represent um, they, um, that their leadership is um, conformed to God as well. Um, but they have a they have a designated leader, so theocracy is not necessarily a consensus uh, to which uh, there is some form of democracy in it um, at all. But it is a it is on the contrary a a government established by God. The best definition of theocracy is the kingdom of God, because we know that that is God's system. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is the way God governs himself and governs his people. It is the absolute intent for God to have preeminence and supreme authority over every entity under it. And I always tell you, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So when we talk about the theology of theocracy, when we present theocracy, as a, as a statement, we're saying that there's a government. When we say theocracy is the study of the government of God in place, in position, over our democracy or republic, we have a theocracy. We have a, 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 an allegiance to a supreme God, the creator of heaven and earth, and his will is superior to any other insight that exists. Amen. So so when you hear me say theology, we are looking at God's mindset behind that concept. What concept? It could be any concept, but in this particular case, we're looking at God's government, at God's government. What does God think about the government? How does the government affect us? Should we vote? Why should we vote? Should we participate? All of these questions will be answered without the lesson, but we must begin with God's logic. Who can know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? The scripture says we have the mind of Christ. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us, and Christ's mind has been afforded assistance from God to get the knowledge that they need to know so they can achieve what God wants them to do. So this, this lesson, we want to tackle the theological dilemma, and then we want to trace our faith through the word of God. And we want to deal with the tangible kingdom and then be transformed by a biblical worldview. So in the successive lessons that are coming from this, I want to emphasize this, this form of teaching and understanding in a great way. Now, I don't have that much time left, but I do have a lot more to say. When we talk about theology, I want to make certain that we know exactly what we're talking about. Because as you, as you, as you hear what I'm going to say in the coming lessons, you're going to be challenged in your theology. Now, unfortunately, if you don't have a discipline to study the Word of God, and you don't have a a, 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 a defined method of, de- of developing context in Scripture, you're going to have problems with what I say. 
And the reason why you're going to have problems with what I say is because you're not rightly dividing the word of God. If it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. And the only person that can translate the right or wrong is the Holy Spirit who's been sent to reveal the truth that you should know. So so, so my thinking is that the order that you, that you conceive and that you achieve Will, will will really be limited by the operation of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to orderly define what you believe, why you believe, and how you exist, and how you express what you believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? And time is time out for the body of Christ to um to stop um to stop these uh, uh these trite uh, uh, rhetoric that's out there. You know, because a lot of a lot of the churches behind the times, we're not competent of the scripture. Competence. See, what happens is when you develop a th- theology, the first thing you need to have confidence in. The re- confidence is is assurance, right? But you need to have assurance in your competence that you can. Uh, first of all, that's anyone that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What are we, what is He talking about? Competence. You got to know that you have what it takes to understand and unfold the mind of God. And then in addition to that, you need to have conviction, conviction through repentance. But all of that cannot happen if you don't have character, a character of discipline. But what we want to achieve is clarified standards of faith. We need to understand the difference between a standard of faith and an expression of our faith. And then, of course, we need to always reflect or or Christ-like reflection. So we need to reflect the one who we carry within us, Christ in us. Are we reflecting that? Okay. So theology, theology or logic. Okay, the study of God. Okay, theology is the study of God or abstracting the mind of God in a matter. Now, here is the problem with theology. One, it's not found in Scripture. It is an, it's, it's a word that's used to, to objectively identify the process of what it takes for us to get to our belief. Do you get what I'm saying? And because it's not inserted in Scripture or, or the word is not used in Scripture doesn't mean that it's not relevant for the Scriptures. And so we have to look at the term and see how we can best use this term to identify the process to which we learn the Scriptures. If the Scriptures become the absolute authority by which we govern ourselves, we develop the mentality through the process of our theology. Theology is not attending or going to seminary. It is a system by which we process and and learn the mind of God through the word of God. Theology is a self-pursuit, an unending, an unending that is unending, first to develop the knowledge and the nature of God and then to define the disciplines and the practices to attain faith, 
because we know without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to God must believe that he is. Now, why am I slowing up on this? Because we need to understand this as believers. You have a theology. (laughs) Whether you build it or you subconsciously build it, you have one. Theologies are not theoretical. Theologies not only explore ideas about God, but they also define how we best adapt to the discovery um, that we found practically. So when we talk about theology, it's not theoretical. We're not just studying a bunch of theories and coming up with conclusions of appreciation. We're saying that when finding the mind of God, it forces us to act on the will of God. And the will of God is based on our study of the word, is revealed by the study of the word of God, which reveals to us that we need the spirit of God to bring to life the word of God. All right? So theology is not theoretical. It is It explores ideas about God and how we define best what the scriptures um, and how we adapt those, what what we've discovered practically through the scriptures. Hallelujah. So theology is not, is necessary to be a Christian. But most people don't believe that it is necessary for them to be a Christian, that they don't need theology. It's impossible to be a Christian without theology. It means the mind of God. Who knows the mind of the Lord? They may instruct him. We have the mind of Christ. So in other words, if you're going to go after finding God's perspective, you're going to have to have God's heart. And it is only God's heart that reveals God's nature and lifestyle his quality of life. So it is a necessity to be a Christian. We all have theologies. Whether we do something with it or not is up to us. But we all have a place to where God is is put on center stage. And hopefully you display what he has created. It is impossible for a person to be a person of faith and not have a plan or a purpose to why they need to believe it. So it's not just belief. If faith was belief, we would need no one else to communicate anything. We would just have faith. You get what I'm saying? And to some of us, we just uh, really embellish where we really are. Okay? And we need to, as the body of Christ, develop that competence, conviction, clarified standards so that we can reflect the nature of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? Now, oh, let's go to Second Second Timothy. I got five minutes. <laughs> wow. I gave a lot. I gave a lot. Now, let me give these things to you. Um, theology answers and seeks about how God affects our life. Okay. Now, I'm going to bridge it with theocracy next um, or this Thursday. But theology alters and reforms the state of our spiritual development through a search for meaning, which is considering wider and deeper ranges of truth. Okay. Theology awakens a prophetic awareness 
articulating experiences and encounters with God's power, present, and perspectives in time in context. It awakens. So listen, and I'm a, a theology adds knowledge to the practice of faith by giving attention to how we display what we believe and how we believe as it affects others and and as we and it affects us. So we, we examine first of all not only how how we believe and what we believe, but how it affects others based on our belief. Now that's a very that's a very loaded concept right there. Theology adds knowledge to the practice of faith. And I want you to understand that faith without works is dead. It must be performed. You get what I'm saying? So you've got to do something for faith to, to be made alive. And theology advances the believer through his perpetual pursuit to know God more faithfully and more intimately so he can serve God more faithfully. So listen, if you didn't get that expressed, write this down. Theology answers, alters, awakens, and adds and advances us in the knowledge and the mind of God. Did you get my point? It answers, alters, awakens, adds, and advances us in the knowledge and the mind of God, how God's mind functions um, and how it is revealed to us so we can do it practically and persistently and prophetically. Do you get what I'm saying? See, this, I just wanted to bring this to light because we're going to go deeper and we're going to translate how we think and how we get how God thinks to how we talk about how God thinks, and not only talk about it, but how we perform what God thinks in time today. And that's what's, that's the dilemma of the church. We are not taking what we know and translating it to what we do. And, I, and when I say do it, I'm talking about doing it in such a way where it affects the way such a change that people say, oh, the church stood up. Oh, the church made impact. Do you get where we're going? The theology of theocracy. I got to have confidence in this theological thing, and the only thing that can develop your confidence in theology is your study. Your study of God's word, where you develop your competence, your conviction, the characteristics needed through the leading of the Holy Spirit, and then you get clarification from the standards of faith so you can reflect Christ confidently. Are you getting me? We're going somewhere. And I haven't told you anything new. This is basic teaching. Is theology in the Bible? No. Does everybody have a theology? Yes. Is it, is it uh, going to Bible school or taking seminary? No. Is it a self-pursuit? Yes. Is it the theoretical? No. Do you get what I'm saying? Is it necessary for to be a Christian? Yes. <laughs> Do you get my point? Now, if that's not if that's not embraced, you're not going to get my teaching. You're not going to get my teaching, and the reason.